Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Mario to my Luigi. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, you know, as the Mario Mario of this Mario Mario and Luigi Mario pairing, I feel very good about this. And our very own Bowser. That's right. It's Eric Ronebeck. Eric, how you doing? Yeah, Bowser, friend, foe, doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's a tweener. Lover. He's a tweener. You don't know what you know. You never know what side he's gonna be on. Some games, you know, he's in your party. You're, you're, he's part of the squad. Some games, he is the big bad. You just never know. Uh, all right, uh, we got to wow. start with. We got to start with something that happened after the draft. I know everyone's expecting us to go straight into the draft, but after the draft, that's when you get the undrafted free agents. And the Seahawks left the draft with one huge hole on their team. Uh, You know, you don't pay your kicker and your punter league leading salaries and not have a long snapper. So the Seahawks went and they went to the UDFA pool and they pulled out Penn State long snapper Chris Stoll. And so I, I went winning Penn State long snapper. Sure. I went on the hunt. I was like, you know, I got to find more information about this guy. How good of a long snapper is he really? So I Googled his name and I end up on this website. <laughs> this website is called rubiolongsnapping.com. Okay. What do you, but just from the name, what do you, what do you think it might be, a, be like? I feel like this is going to be uh, a camp or a, or okay. a, uh, or like a European site that gets you to click on it so you get malware. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so I assumed it was going to be someone who like would sell you. You remember the pitch back? Um, uh-huh. and, yep. and like, it was like that net thing that would bounce the ball back to you and you'd have like an instructional video that came with it. I, I would assume it's a place where you can spend, uh, three easy payments of nine ninety five plus shipping and handling, and they will send you a long snapping net and a, a VHS tape on how to become your okay. peak long snapper. Well, Fred McGriff is going to say good things about the long snapping net, Kevin. Yeah, the Chris, crime dog is going to be on there. Well, Chris Rubio of Rubio Long Snapping will sell you the Wizard Solo Snap Football Snapping Target Package, Kevin, <laughs> yes. which which is which is on uh, RubioLongSnapping.com. How much do you think a uh, the Wizard Solo Snap Football Snapping Target Package runs for? What do you guys think? One forty nine ninety nine. Uh, I would say it's five easy payments of twenty four ninety five plus shipping and handling. So the 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 base solo snap football snapping target package with target framing carrying case is four hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. But we also have the wizard snowy snap and net return kicking net package with included free wizard holder. And that one is one thousand ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Well, if it's so, a wizard, I expect it to cost more. Uh, I so, would want to pay a lot if I'm having something that holds a wizard for me, because if they break out, they're going to be pissed. That's right. But it, but if that's where this stopped, that that would be fine. But it does not end there. Okay, first I got to say, Chris Rubio looks like PC Principal from South Park. He's got the wraparound sunglasses. <laughs> he has shaved his head very nicely. Uh, he is he is looking like a, like an extra from that episode of South Park. And uh, Chris Rubio, just so you know, the three he was a three year long snapper at the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. Okay, that is his uh, that is his um, I don't know credentials or or what have you. His claim to fame. Yes. So what Chris what Chris Rubio does is he goes around the nation running camps for long snappers. Well, he will make you like a hype video. He'll give you some some pointers. He will have you do his drills. He will give you your ratings on the Rubio target 
which I think is this this solo snap target thing, but also your Rubio standard index score, which is based on your snap speed, snap accuracy on the Rubio target. Um, okay, so he's got all this this long snapper stuff, and he makes these hype videos and tries to get people scholarships. I, it's kind of weird, especially when you realize how much it costs. He is running a camp today in Shoreline, Washington. When you attend this camp, you get a T-shirt, you get some 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 training from the long the Rubio long snapping long snapping team. I'm sure Chris himself will give some kind of motivational rah rah speech. Uh, how much do you think the long? Not, especially now that you know the the cost of the wizard. How much do you think that the long snapping camp in Shoreline today runs you with with Chris Rubio? It's only a one day camp. We'll go a thousand bucks. I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna not quite prices right, Kevin. I'm gonna go. $1,200. Okay. It's, it's three seventy five. So apparently this is a steal of a deal for you guys. That's the one day good. Chris Rubio camp costs well, I mean, $400. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize that they don't give you a free wizard with this one. Yeah. There's no, 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 no. No, you don't get a wizard. You just get a t-shirt and then At some, some point Chris, Chris Rubio time. He also makes a video of you. How That's... valuable is that? Well, apparently it's getting a lot of people's scholarships. I'm going to give you... Can we start stuff. calling it the wizarding world of Chris Rubio? Because <laughs> I feel like we're missing an opportunity. Oh, One last goodness. Chris Rubio thing. If you go to his Twitter, which is at the, the Chris Rubio, the, and then his, like his, the Ohio name, State University. his name on Twitter is Rubio Long Snapping Register Trademark Symbol. So, <laughs> <laughs> At some point this guy, during the camp today, he's going to come out and be like, you know, get your butt a little lower. That's, hey, this, hey, Eric, that's Eric are you asking yourself why you might attend? I watched the Chris Stoll hype video that they, that they made, and I'm going to tell you, it's not about getting your butt lower, Eric. It is about like tightening up those legs, and uh, you go the other way, actually. Okay, anyway, um, wait, Eric, Rubio, Eric, are you are you asking yourself why you should attend? I am. I mean, it's. I'm glad you asked because it says why attend to get the best instruction and the most exposure possible in the world as a long snapper to be ranked with the Rubio long snapping to receive a Rubio long snapping shirt. To That's... be filmed for YouTube and to have a chance to win free admission to the national Vegas event in May, travel and accommodation not included, hosted so you... by Rubio Long Snapping. It's, it's free, but Polynesian Bowl. It's free, but how we're not paying for anything. Flew out for this. That's how many kids flew out for this? Because some, because there's because no the, way he just did, Long he just did one in the center of the world is Shoreline. He did one in Lewiston, Idaho, and he and kid the, the kids there from Washington, California, and stuff. Anyway, I'm gonna read you his Twitter banner. It says proven results. Rubio Long Snapping is a producer of polished, glorious, exceptional final products. There's no trial and error with possible results. There's only production. Rubio Long Snapping has become a factory that simply produces proven greatness and results. Uh, I gotta say, are we ready to talk about Chris Stoll? Because I'm a little disappointed okay. that we only yeah, sure. got a four star guy. So yeah, okay. Um, here's yeah, here's that was, that was in 2017. He developed. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna defer well. to the I'm gonna defer to the expert Chris Rubio, and then this is from his junior year of high school. So really liked what I saw to Chris at the Rubio Long Snapping Vegas 27 event on January 21st and 22nd, 2016. He is a big, strong long snapper with a powerful snap. Upper body flexibility is great, and he does a wonderful job of reaching all the way through to the punter. Very good accuracy. Love for him to work on getting his lower half involved so he can increase his speed. Once his legs get fully locked, he will easily be putting putting the ball in the low 0.7s or even 0.6s by 28 in May. 
this kid has some massive upside. He can move up the rankings very quickly. Definitely an elite event candidate if he does what I know he can. And then there's his signature on the, the bottom. signature is great. <laughs> um, real quick, uh, 2017 Crystal definitely looks like a guy that I copied off of in Japanese class. Yeah, well, I, I just want to say, Chris Rubio, living the dream, going around uh, stealing money from high school kids to give them uh, scholarships <laughs> to upper left state. As the, uh, as the leader of this podcast, Nathan, uh, why don't you get on us and get this podcast some free Chris Rubio shirts? <laughs> Come on, baby. Chris, Come on, Chris, 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 I just did a six-minute free ad read, okay? Yeah, at can me. you send at us me, some shirts you? to give away, and then we all get them? All right. So I want to talk about uh, – let's talk a little bit. Of, we're going to do our, our, our legendary draft grades this this week uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. Just a legendary well, the segment. the most anticipated shows. And one of the most of anticipated segments of the year. Um, I just want to say this before we do our draft grades is that one thing that irritates me is on Twitter, oh, they took Zach Charbonnet instead of John Michael Schmitz. Okay, couple things. Number one, what if John Michael Schmidt sucks? Why are we all slaves to the consensus board when the consensus board does not include complete information? Okay, we only get about half of the information we need to evaluate these players. We can watch the tape. We can look at the athletic testing, but we don't get to do any interviews. So we don't get to see what the guys like on the chalkboard. We don't get to see what the guys like talking to Pete and John or like what he's like, how, how they think he's going to fit as a personality. If he's worried about his personal person. space. Right, like <laughs> Sauce Sauce Gardner. So we don't know that. And then we don't get to see any medicals. What if John Michael Schmitz has like no cartilage in his knee and Endeavor comes out until three years, three years from now? Like we didn't hear at all before the draft that Tyree Wilson's foot surgery was done by like the a most more. terrible doctor in the entire world. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, his foot is Frankenstein. They're going to have to do surgery again. Well, that's a big piece of information that would help me say, yeah, Tyree Wilson, we're probably not taking him at five under any circumstances. Because if he if he's medically not cleared, he's medically not cleared, and he's going to move way down our board. So it's it annoys me when I see this analysis after the draft that's like, oh, well, the Seahawks overdrafted this guy and they underdrafted this guy. It's like, well, why is the consensus board right and the individual teams picking are wrong? Because everyone passed on Tariq Woolen five times last year, and you know what? Probably shouldn't have. They probably shouldn't have passed on him five times, including us. We should not have passed on him the previous four times because he was one of like the 15 best players in last year's draft. So it's uh, it, just don't be a slave to the consensus board. Like it, it's it's tough, I know. And also, when you watch tape and stuff, you start to like fall in love with some of these guys, like you know Kevin Love, Josh, like Josh Downs. I'll use the name Kevin Love, Josh Downs a lot, or I would love who's the guy who fell a lot that I that I really well, Sydney Brown thought was good. Yeah, Sydney Brown, great example guy. And it's just like you know what we can't. What about my can't, boy going to Dallas? My boy yeah, going we, to Dallas, Mozzie. Yeah. Mozzie Smith, man. No, he went higher than I expected. Deuce Deuce Vaughn going to Dallas was the real tearjerker, though, because that is dad, who is like one of the lead scouts for Dallas, do the phone call. Pretty cool. Okay, check that one out on Twitter. Anyway, that is all I'm going to say about that. Let's get into our draft grades, though. We're going to try to draft grade, grade based on the draft. We're going to be like, become slaves to the consensus board, Kevin. <laughs> all right, so we said before the draft started that we thought the Seahawks were kind of targeting Anderson and Richardson. And then the question came up, what do we think – what do they th we think they would do if both those guys were gone? And it kind of became a discussion between Jalen Carter or a cornerback. And we kind of lean towards Christian Gonzalez. And this is one of those cases where that incomplete information comes in, right, Kevin? Like Devin Witherspoon obviously separated himself from, from Christian Gonzalez in the interview process. Yeah, I think you and I would both agree. We both had Gonzalez as our number one and Witherspoon as our number two, but both of them were pretty solid top ten close. guys for us. They, they were close together for me. Like it was like 1A, 1B. Like I, I don't know. 
Gonzalez is a little more athletic. Weatherspoon's tape's a little more fun to watch. They're close. They're really Yeah, and close. if Witherspoon came in, took his shirt off with Pete, you know, uh, <laughs> just talked about, like, knocking guys out on screens, and then, uh, I don't know, but, like, Witherspoon seems like the kind of guy that would cheer at tape while he watches it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he's got a good intensity to it. He just seems like a guy who loves ball. And I think that that's the kind of thing that will resonate with this front office. Um, we'll talk about it as we go down the picks, but I think in general, um, we see a lot of people that seem to have Eric, one thing uh, about guys like this is they're, they're a little bit, they're, they're kind of tone setters, right? Like the, they set the tone. Um, we had a tone setter before in cam chancellor. Do you think it's like completely necessary for us to like set the tone here with, uh, with a guy like Devin Winston? Is it good to have a tone setter back on the defense like that? Yeah, I think that's something that Pete's been looking for for years. Um, it's not something that obviously grows on trees. There's a lot of guys that say that they're going to be that guy. Uh, the defense is going to run through me. I'll send a message, but it's really just the guys who do. Uh, if anything with this pick, that's what made the pick make sense to me, as this guy didn't really complete all of the Pete Carroll cornerback measurables. Yeah, shorter arms, smaller hands, lighter weight, not tall. But – but uh. But it's like a free train, though. His athleticism score is, is plenty good enough. Like I think that what they were looking for for him is like, hey, can he not embarrass himself in the uh, in the athletic testing? And he was seventy second percentile uh, athletic score, so that's fine. That's fine. There's nothing. He's above average in the athleticism department. And Eric and Kevin too. Did you know that Pete and John said what they do is the guys who they feel like are tone setters or culture guys. They put a little hammer next to them on the draft. <laughs> yes. Oh. And That's... they said they said they dra- they said it in this draft we drafted a lot of hammers, <laughs> hey, and I hey, think Eric. they did. They definitely drafted a lot of hammers. I like I Eric. like that better than Kristen Michael was first on our board. Go ahead. <laughs> Eric, do you want do you want to be sledgehammer? I I actually watched that video yesterday, Kevin. <laughs> it was on Reddit, and I said oh, I'm going to watch this. It's great. I I think Withers- Witherspoon should be like a really solid one uh, B to to Tariq's one A. Uh, the thing I like about Witherspoon is I feel like they can use him in a different way than Tariq, which is that Witherspoon can follow around a guy and annoy him because I do think he's f- flexible enough to play in the slot and support in the run game, which you need your slot cornerback to be able to do. And he's definitely able to do that. So if he's you, also if a good they, blitzer, which the slot is a better spot to blitz out of. And they so they have. Yes. And they have like a so if they have a wide receiver who, you know, is scheme flexible, who's moving from the inside to the outside, uh, you know, you're. I don't know what to say. Adam Thielen types, but he's getting old, so maybe I need to pick a new, a new, a new analogy. But you're you're Adam Thielen older, types. You're Julian Edelman types. Yeah, sure. You're, you're like, Julian you have Edelman. A Wes Welker. You're you're guys who can play on the X, but also can come inside. Devin like Tim can just Dwight. Devin can just follow those guys around and make their lives miserable. I mean, I I love that. I love the pick for that reason. It's just you don't you don't get an opportunity to take many scheme flexible guys like this. All right, uh, Eric, yeah, what's Chris your Chris Harris type? Yes, Chris Harris type. What's your what's your grade for this one? Uh, I'm going to give it a B plus. Uh, what? Like- no. <laughs> you gotta get you, you. No, that's too low. You gotta go higher. You gotta go uh, A plus. You gotta. You want me to go A plus on this? Ah, I think so. I think so. I think that these are draft picks. If, if I'm the told what grade I must give, then I'm giving an A plus. <laughs> uh, I think you forgot the bit. I did forget the bit. It's been a whole uh, year. Uh, I like how I'm my sorry. show notes. I like how my show notes. It just says draft grades. Everyone will remember the bit. So I didn't. Even 
because we've done it. We've done it for five years. This is saying. This is saying. Uh, really I funny. added the flu yesterday. What do you want from me? All right, it's but, cold. But but so so maybe B plus, but actually A plus, right? Yeah, well, I think okay. with uh, definitely in our scheme, mm-hmm. A plus. Yeah. For me, for me, uh, you know, I got to give it the old uh, A plus. Kevin, how about you? Uh, you know, the physicality, the versatility, when you could get a Jair Alexander in the draft, I think you do typically it'd be an A, but you know, that hammer puts it up to an A plus. All right. The next player we're at 20 and there's, there's kind of a guy who's, who's the number one wide receiver. He's sliding down the draft board a little bit. People thought he might go in the closer to the top 15. And, um, this guy, Garrett Wilson, who was great last year, Chris Olave, also great last year. Both said that this guy was the best receiver on their team. Eric, we're, when when we're sliding up, we're, when the pick is coming up to twenty, and it seems like we could get Jackson Smith and Jigba, what are you? How are you feeling? Are you feeling like, oh, we're just going to pass? The Seahawks always do this. They're they're going to pass on the guy that everyone thinks they should take. Uh, I was looking at how, what everyone was doing in the draft and how I think every team except for us, the Lions, and I want to say the Raiders. Uh, had their pick in immediately, even at the beginning of the draft pick was in usually like the number one pick it, you know, they wait, uh, the NFL was forced 20 to minutes. Yeah. yeah. Because they, they said pick was in, they were ready for it. Um, so I was like, okay, we're shopping this pick. If we don't trade it, I think we're getting in Jigba. There's no way it's, he's sitting there staring us in the face. There's not a defensive end or a D tackle that I want right here. Um, of course, my running back is off the board. <laughs> uh, to the Falcons at number eight. Uh, so yeah, I thought for sure we were taking Jackson Smith and Jigba. I called it. I was very happy. Uh, it's just, I got a, it's just I got not a often on the back of Buffalo Wild Wings. It was great. It's just, it's just not often you feel like they make the pick that you expect and the pick that's the right pick all at the same time, right? The Seahawks always. It feels like they always do what you don't expect, and so it's just it was nice to to be like building up that moment being like, I want us to take Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think we should take Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's the best player on the board, and we've needed a number three wide receiver for a long time. We saw it last year. We ran a ton of snaps with tight ends in the slot because we really just didn't have that third wide receiver to put on the field and, yeah. and be successful. And so it's like, man, we really want to get into that 11 personnel, and we can't, and oh, here we go. We finally have the shot, and we took it, and it was just kind of super, super exciting. So Kevin, Kevin, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, do you, how, what do you think about the player? Uh, number one, uh, JSN's going to finish his rookie contract at the draft age of D. Eskridge. Just going to put that out there. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I love someone, someone posted on someone posted on Twitter. What does this mean for DS D. Eskridge? And I put that that meme of Adam Silver telling Kyrie Irving, "Get ready to learn Chinese, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't, ain't going to be playing in the NFL anymore, man. Get, get, I hope you. Ex- I can't wait to see him on the Sea Dragons. Like that's where that's where he's heading. So anyway, <laughs> the possible I... champion." Hey, sea dragons, sea, sea dragons. Hey. Here we go. Got two, Let's got go. two teams in the playoffs right now. Um, yeah. so Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, one thing that it bothers me is everyone keeps talking about him like he's too small to play outside. He's six one, two hundred pounds. Like he's not small. He just is really shifty and he doesn't have breakaway speed. But if you look at his athletic testing, his athletic testing is really similar to like CD Lamb. No one's saying CD Lamb can't play outside. So I think he's going to play a lot in the slot. He's going to learn some uh, tips, tools, tricks, the things that Tyler learned that lets him excel outside. And he's going to be, um, he's a plus number three receiver now. And it makes it so that if Lockett gets hurt like last year, if, uh, you know, uh, by the end of 
by the end of JSN's contract plus fifth year option, we probably won't have Lockett anymore. He's going to be aging out of the league. And so it makes it so we don't have to really worry so much about that plan. Like yeah. it's, it's great to have that security blanket there. He's just a great receiver. He catches everything and he gets open. What else do you want? Jackson Smith and Jigba had the number one three cone time in the combine of any position. So a lot of people will look at his 10 yard Six, split and five, be like seven. 10 yard split and be like, he's not very sudden, but he can change direction at, at very high speed compared to others, which means, you know, yeah, he's not a straight line burner. That's just not who he is. But guess what? We have that guy. His name is DeKalen Metcalf. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't think we need the guy who can run fast in a straight line. We need the guy who can, who can be the technician underneath, who can change direction and, and make people make, other teams' lives miserable in the middle of the field, open up the middle of the field for our run game. That's what Jackson Smith and Jig was going to do. For me, it's an A+. Kevin? Oh, this is an S+. Oh, higher than A+. <laughs> you're inventing you're inventing new 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 letters. I like uh, our new rankings. Eric, how about you? Uh, looking at every other receiver in the draft, you can watch their tape, and there's very few guys, especially on the analysis, I didn't see anyone who had a second speed, like a gear shift up. And with this guy available anywhere on the field to switch directions and go right back to the speed, that's essentially shifting up a speed, which is what we always like to see in the NFL. It's what separates uh, good from great. Guys, this is an A+. Yeah, the better this, the better Smith and Jigba's routes get, the just better he'll get because he can just, like Eric said, change speeds so suddenly. Okay, we get to round two. Pick a 37, right? And uh, round two, pick six. And Kevin, what was it like uh, in the in the bar with with Derek Hall? <laughs> was, was, uh, was the energy was electric? I believe by rule I have to recuse myself from analyzing this pick because you're not supposed to talk about family members. <laughs> and as everyone knows, Derek Hall is my draft son. Yeah, he's um, spe- he was your special guy this year, the guy you really wanted us to take. Uh, um, he's just so sea hockey. <laughs> He he guess what Derek Hall he definitely had the hammer on his on his uh on his draft profile. Everyone talks about what a leader this guy is and there were very few guys in this draft that I would call in any way a sack artist uh because they just none, nobody had those instincts. This is one of them. This may be the only one. Um he has he has great instincts to finish sacks in a way that a lot of other guys in this class do not. Um he doesn't have like a second uh, uh, ability to be a uh, second second move kind of guy like his second his second move is just planned and counter move yeah his second his plan is just to do the first move and then like be be smart enough to to find the sack if it doesn't work out which is fine it worked good for him at auburn he was the only good player on a pretty garbage defense and so so that's another thing all the other defenses were were uh trying to he's more bent he's probably the second bendiest guy at edge uh in this uh in this class for me and so I, I like it. It's, it's a good pick. It's it's a little ahead of the consensus board, but I think they did a really good job here finding a guy who can be a tone setter and really give us that deep edge rotation that we had during the LOB era. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Eric, uh, were you excited about the uh, Derek Hall pick? I was. Uh, at this point in the draft, like I kind of look at what we've talked about in our pre-draft shows and I look at all the players that I'd take at this time. Derek Hall, I'm fine in the mix. I didn't – at this – at this time of the draft, outside of the first round, I, I don't really have like a board of exactly who I want. The first round is I have players exactly who I want. Uh, here, I, I wanted, you know, I wanted a defensive end, maybe a D tackle. Uh, Derek Hall is the guy. What's interesting about Derek Hall is what did I not like about Jalen Carter? The first thing that people said, 
We don't know how much he cares about the game. So Derek Hall has some things like he could be a better run stuffer, supposedly from what people say, uh, looking at his, his film, it looked like he had no problem tackling. So I feel like that's something he should be able to do. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of moves, but he has a lot of speed. I think this is a guy that can probably learn that will take coaching because he really cares about the game and can improve. And that's what I like about this pick. Yeah. And then uh, Kevin, if, if Hall's going to level up from a guy that you kind of pick in the second round to a guy that becomes like, like a, like a real like star in the NFL, what are the things that, that Derek Hall is going to need to like to improve? Cause we know the things you like about him, the speed, the, the speed to power conversion, the third in the sec last year in in pressures, like those are, we, we know those things. Those things are great. What are the things that like, he's going to, cause like Eric said, he's going to continue to work. What are the things you think that he, he's going to need to level up to from, you know, a rotation t- defensive end to a legitimate star? Uh, I think he has the right frame where he could go. He's right now he's ways in the two fifties. I think he can get up over two sixty, which gives him the flexibility to be able to play both uh, stand up and uh, Same. Uh, three point defensive end. Very similar size wise to Cliff Averill. If you're looking yep. for a, a former Seahawks comparison. Um, and then the other thing is it's, it's that counter technique we talked about. So what you want to see is he's got good length. Um, like we said, we got the speed to power. And so the thing that needs to happen is he needs to have that secondary move. So he has kind of a long arm and a jab step. It's almost like a Euro step to be able to get an inside move, but he doesn't use them in combination. So if he can develop kind of a, a club rip technique to get rid of the tackles hands, if he can, uh, work on those kinds of, once he gets blocked, instead of just kind of, uh, face guarding the tackle until he sees an opportunity to slip around him. If he can have uh, a move set that he can set up for himself, that's what will put him to like a double digit sack guy. And then the other thing is just using his spatial movement skills, turning those into uh, solid coverage skills. I see no reason why he can't be in that uh, Bruce Irvin, uh, uh, Nwosu, um three, four defensive end that doesn't embarrass himself in coverage right now. He can cover going downhill and he will absolutely blow up a screen like or a, a safety cha- valve route. Yeah, when he, when he's chasing a guy, he's great. But when he's like, yeah. Oh, drop into this shallow zone. He's like, uh, like he, it doesn't seem he's like he totally knows, knows where to be. And that's okay. I mean, he was on an Auburn team that he, they asked him to pass rush most of the time. So that's a skill he's going to have to learn for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially if, if they're going to use him some as like a four, three outside linebacker, like we did with Bruce Irvin, you know, if we're going to go that direction. I do like that it seems like so far in this draft, we all kind of drafted guys who are archetypes of guys we've had before. Yep. Um, we Devin Witherspoon is cornerback Cam. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is Tyler too. Uh, Hall is a kind of a Cliff Averill slash Bruce Irvin hybrid, right? Like we, we're drafting these archetypes we know that work in our system. They, we know they work with what we want to do. And we did it one more time at 52. Oh, wait, by the way. A plus, right, guys? A, right, boys? A plus for Hall? A plus, for call? A plus. Well, I was going to give him an F for family, but that has other connotations, so I gave him an A plus. <laughs> okay, so they, they did this again, though. They did this again. They drafted another guy who was an archetype we've seen before, and that's Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA gaining over four yards after contact per attempt. Um, really a complete running back that people saw as with three down potential. Um, reminds me a lot of a former Seahawk in uh, Chris Carson um, in a lot in, in like a million different ways. So, Eric, 
the running back value nerds came out in force for this one. They said, <laughs> we are, we already have can Walker. And, and uh, I think that, <laughs> I don't know why they have, the I don't know, I know why I gave the nerds a Southern accent. That doesn't make uh, any sense. Because <laughs> you were watching uh, people like football Dracula give this game. And that's Mo Kiper Jr. For anyone not paying attention, uh, <laughs> football Dracula giving this uh, a C minus because the Seahawks already have Kenneth Walker. Hey dummies. And name another running back on the roster. I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, D- DJ uh, Dallas. It's, it's two for two. But anyway, um, stick. Let's stick it to the nerds, Eric. When you watch Zach Charbonnet, like it's exciting, right? This is a guy. This is a guy who just just runs through people. He'll run That's through cool. a guy. He definitely had the hammer, right? So yes, Zach Charbonnet. Charbonnet <laughs> absolutely has the hammer. Uh, what's good about him? The fact that he can probably play all three downs. The fact that he can block. The fact that he can run through people. I have great news for Kenneth Walker the third. Is he the third? Yes, Ken Walker III. I can't remember his family lineage <clears throat> right now. I'm so excited about Charbonnet. This is a podcast about family. You better start remembering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good news for good news for Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, you may be seeing a lot more third down running back plays, meaning mm-hmm. you're not always going to be that first guy in the line because Charbonnet can be either or. And Walker, you can just be our third down back. So you could be two, three. You could be one, three. Um, you could be just be one or two. It doesn't matter. Uh, there's a lot of versatility in our run scheme right now. Yeah, and I think like it's a nice compliment to Walker because Walker's the home run hitter, and Charbonnet is kind of the uh, the all rounder physical guy. Um, he does lack the true breakaway speed of a Kenneth Walker, which is what makes Kenneth Walker special in yep. comparison to a guy like Zach Charbonnet, who is going to break tackles. Like I said, four yards per contact after attempt last year. He runs good routes. He can block pretty well. Um, but he just it, – it, guys will catch him from behind. <laughs> That'll happen. You Watch his tape. You'll see it. Just sometimes he'll break away and you'll be like, oh, this is going for six. And it's like, no, it's not. It's going for 20. That's just how this guy works. That's just how this guy works. Um, Kevin, this guy was a, was a guy who transferred. He started out at Michigan then ended up kind of getting put into the background – and then reemerged with chat with uh, with Chip, Chip Kelly, Kelly in UCLA. And I will openly admit, I underscouted Charbonnet a little bit because I hate Chip Kelly. <laughs> it's just a, <laughs> I, I've carried this with me for years and years and years. And so whenever I'm, it's like, oh, there's a UCLA guy, I'm like, I'll watch one game. <laughs> I can't, I can't do two. I just hate Chip Kelly. I just want because I end up rooting against the player I'm supposed to be scouting. I just <laughs> don't want you. I want UCLA to do bad. But it's hard to root against Charbonnet. He's just so great, right? Kevin? Yeah, that's I watched him last year um, because he was uh, they, they they talked all the way up until the deadline of him coming out last year and he ended up coming back. Um, he'd have probably been a third round pick last year. He is he's just a really good power back. Like he's great at picking up short yardage, which is something that the team struggled with. Um, like you said, canine can go for 70 yards like canines getting between negative one and every yard left on the field every time you handle the ball and walker, uh, walker is getting between three and 20 yards every time you handle the ball the thing about walker is is he's great don't get me wrong i love him but he had the in terms of successful run plays the lowest percentage of any running back who received 200 or more carries like he the the he would get hit in the backfield and like lose yardage on plays. And he struggles with those short yardage situations. We needed a guy to compliment that. Like it's if, if we go into the season with just Ken Walker and like randos, we're going to be in a situation where third and one is going to be really difficult again. Yep. And that's, that's what we, yeah. we needed this player. Uh, I think Eric spoke to this and just to kind of put an exclamation point on what he said, the beautiful thing is Charbonnet and K9 are both players that could come in in any situation 
and they could be pass blocking, they could be uh, running routes, or they could be running the football. It gives away nothing to have one or both of them on the field. So rotating them through, it's like, oh, it's short yardage. We bring in Charbonnet. You know, he could still just run like a little flag route or something or be into pass block and we're running three wide. So y- you don't know that it's just going to be a quick handoff. You know, we have K9 back there. He could be uh, running inside or outside zone, or he could be pass blocking or taking a route. So it the scheme versatility of both backs, it's really cool to have two backs that do the same things differently. So you have a diverse skill set, but whichever or both of the two that you have in the backfield at the same time doesn't tip your hand with what you're doing as an offense. I think that's a big weapon. Yeah, I'm excited to see Charbonnet on the team. I think he's a really useful player. And yeah, it's cool. It's cool. We got like a AJ Dillon to 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 join our to join our team here, which is pretty cool. So yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, for me, A plus. Good job, good job, Seahawks. Uh, Kevin, uh, A plus for picking up those third downs. Yeah, uh, we didn't talk about this either, but he is really good at holding on to the football and uh, does not fumble the ball. It's and... funny too because that, like coming into this year, that was like the knock. But he like yes. kind of put it he to bed this it. season, which is cool. Yeah. But uh, that yeah. for that, uh, I gotta give him an A plus. Yeah, it's like it's like cool when you see a guy like Kevin said. He he didn't come out and he took he kind of took the care of the things that he needed to take care of. Uh, the best pick in the Seahawks draft was the next one, the third end of the third round. The Seahawks were at the end of the third round and they said oh, we we don't really like how this board is developed. A lot of interior guys came off the board really fast in between the hall and Charbonnet picks. And I do think it kind of sent them for a loop and John Schneider and the, in the post game said, you know, like our, there were some surprises here and we were expecting to be able to, I think they were being expecting to be able to go a different direction with the Charbonnet pick. Not that they're unhappy with the player. Obviously it's a good fit and they like him, but they just said they're, I think John Schneider says they're upsets. He calls them upsets when the, when the, when the guy gets drafted (laughs) higher than he expects, there are a lot of upsets. So yeah, um, and if you look at the board, I mean, Keanu Benton came off the board. Tittman uh, came off. Tittman. And I think those were guys that were definitely high on the – Mosh. Those are, I think those are guys that were on the Seahawks board that they were looking at for that pick 59. And they said, okay, well, this isn't developing with them. Then we get into the third round. And, you know, that since all those guys are already off the board, they're like, man, there's just nothing here for us. What do they do? Call up, the old, call up our old friends, the Denver Broncos. And we say, hey, guys, can we defeat you in a trade once again? The, Bronco, <laughs> the Broncos – the Broncos gave us a third rounder next year for our third rounder this year. And you might think, oh, that's not so bad. But they also gave us a fourth rounder this year, fourth round pick five. Um, the difference between fourth round pick five and the pick that we gave them is a, worth about a sixth, a late fifth or early sixth, depending on the value projection system you looked at. And we got a third from the Broncos who suck. So the <laughs> one, we all get to root against Russell Wilson again next year. Great news. Great news for great news for Seahawks fans worldwide. We thought it was over. We thought we wouldn't get to to root against Agent Three anymore, but no, we get to root against Agent Three, and we pick up a third rounder in what is many consider to be the best draft uh, coming because a lot of guys are coming out next year. Uh, they're finally running out of eligibility. Uh, so lots of guys came came back for extra years and stuff because everyone has so much eligibility, and the NIL money has made it so it's not like a straight oh we got to get out of here so we can get the financials right. Yeah. So so now the Seahawks gain a big big chip in a really good draft. Uh, probably yeah, they pick like up a, an extra top one hundred pick. That's that's valuable. Right. Top one hundred picks are guys who come in and play in rotation mm-hmm. or start. 
top ten, top ten in the uh, in the third round next year, probably. So, <laughs> so sorry, I'm already, I'm already counting my chickens. You, gotta, here, you just got to know the, that one home a little. The more. AFC is crazy. The, like, they're every quarterback in every AFC team is is nuts. Like, it's it's absolutely insane. Anyway, so we trade down to round four, pick six, and we pick up a guard, Anthony Bradford, a guy who was really athletic, a guy who puts people in the dirt, but uh, you know his he has some worrying uh, stuff on tape as well. So Kevin, give me the pros and cons for a guy like, uh, like Anthony Bradford. So Anthony Bradford, I didn't, I had under scouted Bradford prior to us picking him because he was more of a gap power scheme guard. And we had been going for more of that. Um, instead Zone. of a powerful explosive guy, we wanted like a more um, agile mobile guy. And th- that this is, this is not as much that guy. Um, so the downside is when it comes to, uh, kind of reach blocks and things like that, it's going to be a little hard for him to get the movement on that sometimes. But when it comes to just like road grading, this guy road grades, like he's going to come in and be a plus run blocker. He's very powerful. He played, they put him at left tackle, um, and even left guard, which I think was kind of playing him out of his strengths. Uh, when they played him at right guard and just said like, Hey, you murder that guy, he would. And so I think that's kind of what he's going to be asked to do. He's a little bit of a developmental project, but I feel like if we have to play him, um, then that means that we have a guy who's capable as a pass blocker and good as a run blocker. If he ends up beating out Haynes for the job, I think that's a really good sign for, uh, being a fast developer too. Eric, six foot four, three hundred and thirty-two pounds. How happy were you to get the big boy in 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 here uh, in now, round four? Now that we don't have a tiny quarterback, it's even better news. Um, <laughs> I like that. Uh, so, as Kevin touched on, Bradford has the uh, the experience of playing tackle. So I think that's one thing that the Seahawks looked at because. They like to move guys around or have versatility. Yeah. If, versatility you know, depth, for the backups is huge. Yeah, basically 100%. depth depth on the offensive line. For me, I looked at Steve Avila as like my number one guard or probably number one offensive lineman that we could possibly be drafting, that we would have a chance to draft. And he was obviously that Rams. end of the first uh, Rams. Rams. The, cur- the cursed Rams. So the thing well, about Steve Avila and the Rams draft in general, Steve Avila was a lot older than I thought. Like and it, 24. Guys, yeah. Yeah. And, and that I think like the Rams draft, they were trying to draft all guys who could rent their own cars because like their draft is like 24, 25, 24, 26. Well, they're trying <laughs> to close the gap between Stafford and their draft picks. They don't, they don't want to, they don't want a bunch of young guys for the old guy. They want to, they traded there. away so many draft picks. They're like, let's just pick up veterans. That's, 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 that's their thing. They just pick up. Only honestly, veterans. not the, not the worst decision they could have made. So, but I looked at Steve Avila as a guy I wanted and anywhere in the end of the first to the mid to beginning of the second, guys mm-hmm. were just kind of rushing up the board. So my my dreams of a of a startable guard first year kind of were dashed. But I don't know. I can see Anthony Bradford stepping in for probably six games this year. Uh, I don't see it's out of the realm of possibility. This guy's got good size. If you keep him on the interior, I think he's not going to suck which honestly for our offensive line, as it keeps growing and gelling, just don't suck. And it's going to be a pretty good offensive line. So uh, offensive line coach from the AFC said on Anthony Bradford, I'll take size and power all day over these finesse guards who can't, who can move, but don't have any pop to them. And I completely agree with this statement. Like, 
Bradford is a actually powerful guy who can move people around and is Nasty really, really strong. But he isn't perfect. He isn't perfect as a prospect. That's why we get to pick him in round four. And let's hope that he can really develop and become someone that we can start. Um, it's definitely an interesting developmental pro- prospect. Uh, all right. We moved on in round four to pick 21. We picked. Oh, excuse me. A plus for Bradford. Oh, yeah. A plus Bradford. Yeah. yeah. A plus. Obviously, A plus. A+. Oh, yeah. Got to give it an A plus. It's great. Great pick. The athleticism alone just gets him to A plus. Um, next pick, we need a guy who weighs over 300 pounds. It is the gaping hole on our roster right now. Uh, Monet, hopefully, will be back uh, to healthy. But right now, there's just no guys that weigh over 300 pounds. We need a guy who can step in, you know, play 20 snaps, 10 to 20 snaps on first downs, and just fill some space. And we got him. We got him, boys. Cameron Young, defensive tackle, Mississippi. Um, this guy is Mississippi State. A, Mississippi State, sorry. Uh, space filler. Uh, his arms are crazy long too, like 34 and a half inch arms. This guy, this guy's coming in to do a job and that job is to uh, fill space. He's pretty, for me, his movement is sub suboptimal. Not good. I don't know. know what it is. He's, he's slow. He's a little slow and um, he does get sealed off sometimes by guys who are much more athletic than him. Uh, So that, that's kind of the, 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 Brown, but he's he's heavy he's got a big punch he can fill some space i like i like it because you you want to build your rotation right and this guy's going to probably be the backup nose slash one tech and yeah come in for 10 to 20 snaps on obvious rundowns and fill the space fill the space so yeah i, like, I love it what do you, what'd you guys think about this pick let's go uh eric first we got we got our nose tackle eric so it's a little disheartening to see us take our our d tackle need that you know was a big need and take it so late this guy is the washer dryer combo uh <laughs> with if you mix it Tackable. with that that scene in uh nightmare on elm street where freddie extends his arms across the alleys so no <laughs> i like that uh he also just as just as fast moving just kind of slow and hulking uh, I think this is actually a great move to put in as the one tech, uh, probably backup. Like Nathan said, I'm not looking for a lot here. I'm just looking for someone that uh, you're going to have to get around me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do much, <laughs> but you have to get around me. Anything, honestly, if, if uh, young can kind of delay a running play by a second, that's a very good move. And that's really that's the only move we need him to do. Um, we got Bobby, we got Bobby back there to clean him up now. So it's, yes, it's perfect. And, and I'm not expecting too much from him. Uh, overall, I think this is a, probably the best pick we could have made at this position, arguably. Who knows? Yeah. All right, Kevin. Cameron Young, what do you, what do you think? Uh, Cameron Young is exactly the kind of player I was talking about when on the first two days of the draft, people were like, we need to get that defensive tackle. And I'm like, dude, on day three, it is fat boy city. And we got ourselves a fat boy. Like, uh, exactly what you're saying. He's a two-down, run-stopping interior defensive lineman. Um, he handles two gaps because go watch the tape. He's two gaps wide. Like he's a he's an incidental double team because he's standing in front of two players simultaneously. This dude is massive. Uh, in the Senior Bowl, he was doing one-on-ones against like John Michael Schmitz and people, and you'd be like, "Oh, who's that guy out there playing with his kids?" Uh, and you look at the measurables, and you're like six three, three oh four. That doesn't seem like like that huge. No. He's bigger than that seems. He just some people look massive in shoulder pads. This dude looks humongous. And he's like the old uh 
Baltimore Ravens 3-4 down lineman where he just occupies guys and keeps your second-level defenders clean so that your uh, chase and tackle edge players and your fill-the-hole run-stuffing linebackers can just come in and make the play. So, yeah, I I think he's what we need. I would like to have someone with a little more talent and versatility in front of him on the uh, depth chart. You bring back an Al Woods, you bring in an Al Robinson Shelby, Al Shelby, Puna Ford. Ford. They said, they said in the post game, they want, they want those player. guys. They want those guys back. They, yeah. John Schneider named them. He said like <laughs> Puna, Al, John, uh, Shelby, we want those guys back if we can figure it out. So I, those guys are cap casualties. They were not guys we wanted to get rid of. And uh, yeah, like you said, Kevin, Calvin, Cameron Young fills, fulfills a role. He's going to be the backup. He literally fills a role. <laughs> yeah, backup nose, play on rundowns. A plus for that. Uh, what do you guys think? Needed an A plus. Yeah, uh, I told my buddy Jason, uh, it's like Sam Adams without the agility, and I mean that in a good way. A plus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next player uh, was a player that I think before the combine, people were really excited about. He was they a were, they were round excited. three projection, yeah. He was a very, very high projected player. He was productive last year. He looks good on the tape. Um, he has a lot of size, and he looks like a good athlete when you watch the tape. But the but the combine and pro day did not go the way this player wanted. That's Mike Morris of Michigan. Um, Kevin, this is a classic example of where the combine can, can take a player you thought was going to be like a second or third rounder and move him down the board. Um do you do you agree with the the fall from grace for Mike Morris? Is the fifth round about the right spot for him? Uh, I think that the day three was correct. I think somewhere between round four and seven, um, four or five really, uh, do make the most sense because he does have a bankable asset. He is a rotational run defending defensive end. I think he got some really bad advice. Uh, from what I understand, he played up around two ninety last year for Michigan. And he slimmed down to about 275 for the combine. And then he athletic tested as a 290 pound defensive end, um, which doesn't look as good when you're 15 pounds lighter. I think his athletic testing at 290 um, and the relative athletic score that would have bring it, that would have brought him would have kept his draft stock a little bit higher. And so hearing that the plan is like, hey, we want you at 290, 295. Uh, that's what the Seahawks went and told him. I think there were a few teams that probably told him that because he looks like the same athlete at both sizes and using that extra bulk and that extra strength made him uh, a decent pocket pusher as a pass rusher and then a good a good edge setter as a run defender. The story out there right now, Eric, is that the Seahawks told Mike Morris, we want to see you at 295. And then before the draft, he sent John Schneider a picture of himself on the scale at 295. Do you do you uh, are you do you think that Mike Morris kind of. Uh, might be a little, might be, might be like the secret sleeper of this draft for us. A little, a guy who's really productive in college, but like Kevin said, maybe should have, should have just stayed at a heavier weight and bid the big end that, that we, uh, we, we drafted. Well, it's, it's hard to say we're five pounds, 10 pounds in the NFL is going to take you as the season goes on. Usually guys do slim down a little off that weight because, you know, they're playing so much, they're training so much. Um, it's, it's not really a time to bulk up. Uh, you know how I feel about Michigan players, though. And this guy is from Michigan. It's our run-stopping defensive end. He does have a lot of versatility. That's why some people had him in the, you know, late second, early, or mid-third. Uh, we were able to get him in the fifth. Uh, like Kevin said, probably the best spot. I think 
every year that we the Seahawks do a draft, if you can find a player who starts or is on the defensive line case a a good rotational guy in the fifth round, kind of where we like where we got Sherman, that's that's a plus. And the Seahawks, I think, got that guy here. Um. All right. The uh, we stick. Oh, a plus. By the way, Mike yes. Morris. Nice job. Nice job. Kind of stealing a guy. I feel like a little bit. A plus. Yeah. Outside of Red Brian, a plus. Uh, the next player we drafted, uh, Olu Oluwatimi. I'm going to instantly. This is like the most popular pick in uh, Seahawks land. Everyone loves it. Uh, we needed a center. Uh, this guy is a center, and everyone goes straight to the awards. Uh, he won the Outland Trophy and the Remington Trophy. Only the third offensive lineman ever to do that. Okay, I'm I'm going to throw a little cold water on Olu Oluwatimi because there there's a reason that he got drafted at 519 and not in the third round or even the second round, like Juice Scruggs. Um, first, at the Senior Bowl, Carl Brooks uh, destroyed him in one-on-ones, like just made him his son. And Carl Brooks is not that good. And then the second thing, he's the third guy to win both those awards. The other two players are Greg Esslinger and Barrett Jones, who have combined for a total of zero NFL starts. So it's like, that's not like, <laughs> that's not, that's not like an impressive set of achievements to me. Now, Stop. Stop throwing all the water on it, Nathan. Here's the thing. I don't think there's any expectation that this guy starts. He's very – this guy had a hammer. He's very smart. He's a very good team leader. Everyone says this guy is the best interview and he's super funny. This guy – they brought this guy in to be a backup, backup center and maybe even guard and just be like a great influence on our offensive line. And because of that, I love this pick. I just want to set some expectations in that I do not think that they think that this guy is going to beat Evan Brown for the starting job, and I don't expect him to at all. Um, he, but he's, but he, he's going to step into a good position to be a great member of our rotation slash team. And if he, if guys get hurt, he's not going to embarrass himself. Okay, I don't think it's like that bad. But I'm just not. I was not super impressed overall uh, for for how much kind of like hype there is from these awards and stuff i just i didn't see it uh for me um anyway i love the pick though because he's going to be a great member of the of the room of the of the he's gonna be the great guy to have in the room and to be a part of the team and in the fifth round if you can get a solid backup you know what that's awesome that's what you that's that's like perfect so yeah i'm into it kevin what do you, what did you think about the olu olu atimi pick uh, oh we, we stayed I, in we stayed in michigan by the way for two straight picks yeah, it's kind of fun it's uh, kind of fun so i uh, so I like the pick quite a bit because, like you said, he's just a really steady hand. He's going to really quickly understand what to do. Um, if on the fly during a game he has to come in and take reps at center or guard, he's going to be ready. He's going to know what the play calls are. He's going to know what his job is. He's not going to hamper the people around him. Um, his issues are like some of his lateral mobility and uh, like he has a good punch, but he has a little trouble sustaining. He's good at anchoring versus power, but he's susceptible to some club and rip moves. He's got very adequate size um, and length to play on the interior, but like he's not a huge guy. Like um, there's he's a not lot super, of he's not super good in space either. Like yeah. he wants he wants to be like what what he's good at he's is a, if... he's a gapper inside zone center, and he's good at double teams. He's good at, yeah, I was going to say, he's really good at, like, making sure the double team is successful. Like, every play where he double teams, it's like he hits the guy first and, like, the double double team always wins, which is good because you really don't want your double teams to lose. That's, like, the worst thing you can see. Yeah, that's uh, a death in, sentence in, for yeah, an inside run. Sentence. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, like, I could see him being a starter, a developmental starter, but, like, it's kind of a narrow path. And, like you said, it's the fifth round. If you get a guy who can just be a really solid backup at three spots on your interior for the next four to six seasons, that's a good use of a fifth round pick. If he happens to develop into a starter, which is, you know, a lot of starting centers do end up being drafted on day three. And if that ends up being the case, that's awesome. But if that doesn't end up being the case, that's still an A plus pick. Yeah, A plus for me too. Eric, uh, what what about you think about our second trip to Michigan here? Uh, Oluwatimi, again, from Michigan. I like it. Uh, a very character-driven guy, meaning a guy who's actually cares about the game, wants to play, and uh, is good in his assignments. I think, again, if this guy started two games for us this year because Evan hurts himself, which is bound to happen, uh, that could that could be a reality, and I think there's a good chance that uh, we will not be disappointed. Again, Asterix will not suck on the line. That's a plus. It's an A plus. We just need a guy who won't get ran over, right? And, that, yep. and he's not going to. He's not going to get ran over. He's not going to have not Joey Hunt size. This is there's been a NFL lot of guys who get run over the last few years, and exactly kind of put it put it out there that hey, this is a new Seahawks offensive line we're building. Sorry, Russ. Sorry that you yeah. couldn't stick around for it. If all we need is replacement level, I believe this man can deliver it, and that's that's all, that might be all we need from him. So okay, then we went to New Mexico, small uh, drafting a guy who is pretty small and pretty under scouted. It took me a long time. To, I actually had to to go into the back into the tape <laughs> library here to try to find some Jarek Reed the second stuff, and um, here's what I found: this guy's pretty good. I I don't know. I I think. What they see him as is this is a guy who can play slot corner, a guy who can back up that safety, and a guy who will be an A plus special teamer. Okay, that's that's what you do. That's what you do in the sixth round. You draft a guy who can back up multiple positions and be an A plus special teamer. Cool. I'm into it. Jack Reed's cool. Good with me. Uh, he's a little handsy. <laughs> that's, all, that's the only thing I'll say is that when he ends up in coverage, uh, he's, got, he's gonna put his hands on a guy, which is a. Uh, I don't know. He's good. He'll pick up penalties if he has to play a lot for us, but I don't expect him to. Good backup. Like him. Uh, Jarek Reed, A+. Eric, Jarek Reed? Uh, this is great because uh, I didn't know anything about Jarek Reed, so I watched some tape, and I started falling in love with him. And I'm like, whoa, this guy is a round six pick, which means he's not as good as he looks. So I'm just going to go with my original analysis based on when I heard the pick announced. And that's, I think it's great that we grabbed uh, Jaron Reed back. And now we drafted <laughs> his, his nephew, son, or younger brother. Pick one, uh, maybe uh, just neighbor. And this is an A-plus pick. He didn't get uh, a comp- he didn't get a, com- the- he didn't get a combine invite either. Uh, big shouts to the discord because that was the first thing someone else said is oh we brought jaron reed back and now we have jarek reed that's not going to be annoying (laughs) i I would like to take you on a quick journey with me because i as nathan said not the easiest person to find tape on um i was able to find like two highlight videos and extended highlights of their game against lsu and the entire game tape against Boise State, which I, I parsed watching... out to watch some of that to find a little bit more. Exactly. I was skipping through that. I, was skipping I didn't through... watch that. I didn't watch that one at all. 
I was skipping through full games. I was just yeah, like, this was who, a didn't, lot. Who, didn't, who did New Mexico play that was good? And then I like, I was like, okay, I bet you I could find that game. Then I find it and I'm just skipping to when New Mexico's on defense. Yeah. I mean, like, like, like I said, this guy, this guy was, and then I have to find him on every play too. Cause a lot of times if people do uh, like, like uh, all 22 for a player, they'll circle him at the beginning of the play, which is very helpful. Well, and, and they this, have a number six in their defensive back and a number eight and a number nine. And yeah. like the jersey kind of folds in that spot. And so you're like, oh, number nine made a really good. No, that's number six. Oh, is that number five or number nine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, I really had a squint on these ones. But I like think I said, I thought he was super solid. Did you think he's super solid too, Kevin? Uh, yeah, he kind of reminds me of Demarius Randall, uh, where he can play almost any position on the defensive backfield. We talked about how there were a lack of plus athletes um, in the safety position. This guy's a really good athlete. Uh, plus, I saw him playing Gunner um, and other other coverage roles on special teams, which is what he needs to do if he's going to be able to take a roster spot. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, a plus for you too, Kevin. Oh yeah. A plus special teamer. Yeah. Torpedo part two. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's just a smaller guy, which is I think why he didn't get any attention in the draft process. Uh, just, he, he had to, he had to work extra hard for it. All right. Our final pick round seven pick 20. We went back to making the nerds angry. <laughs> we picked another running back after we drafted one already. How could they? Um, but this is Kenny McIntosh. Um, Kenny McIntosh really lost a lot of money at the combine. He ran a four, six, he ran a four, six, two. I think if he would have ran a four, four, eight, this guy would have gone in round three. He, his, or maybe even round four, his tape is good. He's a comp, he's a complimentary back. Cause he's a little, um, he's just not like super fast. He doesn't have home run speed. I mean, you could see it on the tape. He wasn't going to be super fast at the combine because he gets caught from behind sometimes. Um, but Kenny McIntosh is a good pass catcher, a good blocker. He knows how to do his job. And he was the apparently the best run blocker at the senior bowl. So guys, we got our new Travis Homer. How do you feel? That's exactly Homer? what I thought of him. <laughs> Travis, we replaced Travis Homer for the price of on the house. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Kenny? Good special teamer. Uh, has some returnability, which is, which is always a nice thing in a late round pick. Um, good, good blocker. I, uh, he is a really patient runner. He follows the blocks. If you have to put him in there for a run play, he's not going to embarrass himself. Um, he's a little bit better of a pass catcher out of the backfield. And I feel like it was a good value. Like getting him in the seventh round, I feel really good about it. If he'd have been drafting him in the third or the fourth, I'd have been le- much, much less happy. I'll say this. Kenny McIntosh, his vision is like Miles Sanders level. And if you don't know, understand that, that is bad. <laughs> Miles Sanders is the most frustrating tape running back because he just runs into the back of people or dances around in the backfield when he should just be hitting the hole. Doesn't really know where. Like Kenny McIntosh, if, if he's he got a little Ron Burgundy in him, if, if he developed vision, <laughs> uh, he would he could be good, like legitimately very good. But I think he's just he's just kind of like a he's an, he's an end of the roster running back and. You know what? He's going to be great on third downs. If he doesn't end up being great on third downs here because we have Charbonnet and, and Walker and no one ever gets hurt and he only plays like eight sets a game, like he could be a third down running back for a really long time because he runs good routes. He blocks really well. Uh, this this is um, like he will he will kill a linebacker on a wheel route. It's just like that's just who Kenny McIntosh is. So I'm uh, I like him. It's awesome. It's an awesome seventh round pick. A plus. A plus. I'll give this an A+. Plus. I got to throw a little fire on your water here. Uh, you know I don't watch a lot of college tape uh, until draft time. I don't watch a lot of college games. But there's those pro 
college teams, you know, the big teams, the the teams that win championships S- or compete. With SEC, them. yeah. SEC, Big Ten, all those sort of things. Uh, big Fifteen, whatever it's called now. The, the, uh, just the big. Yeah, exactly. The B1G. I feel, I feel like they changed their logo to just B1G and still technically yeah. the Big Ten, but it, whenever I look at it, I'm just like, that's the big. Anything better <laughs> than the pack 8 through 12. Uh, <laughs> Kenny McIntosh was the lead runner uh, on Georgia's offense. and that's, Championship uh, team. That's that's saying something. So there's, there's, a little, there's a little plus for you. In fact, I'll call it an A+. Yeah, yeah, it's it just you could just take a Georgia or Alabama running back every year and be like, eh, this will work out at some point. Yeah, at much. some point, at some point, this guy's gonna get on the field and do something good because yeah, they they all have <laughs> they all have talent. Like this guy can definitely like I, like I said, there's gonna be one time this year where this guy just kills a linebacker on a wheel route, and we're all gonna be like, yep, that's Kenny McIntosh. Uh, pretty sweet. It, I mean, I just wish he would have ran like a for his sake. I wish he would ran like a four five because he just lost so much money. Yeah, if he ran like a four five 40. three, he would have been drafted three rounds earlier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Uh, Tom, Malcolm, thank you guys for uh, for uh, they upped their pledges. They're, they're they're just crushing it. They they must be they must be killing it in the stock market or something. Thank you to the to those supporters. Doodle, Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Flockmas, Gavin, Greta, James, Joe, Joshua, Lucas, Malcolm, Micah, Rad Dad, Nikki C, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Luke, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Um, I can't wait to get the gambling podcast going again. Get that, get our gambles on. So yeah, that is going to be a blast. All right. Well, there's a movie that came out that made a billion dollars, Eric. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this movie made a billion dollars. We saw it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give uh, you one second to turn this off. If you have not seen super Mario brothers, uh, the movie. So if you have not seen it yet and you don't want anything spoiled because Okay, at this point, I'm going to tell you, you can't possibly spoil this movie. It is, like, not spoil. It's not spoilable. Does that, does that make sense? You, could, <laughs> you, can't, you can't spoil Super Mario Brothers the movie. It's impossible. It's just a – it's a it's, – it's exactly what you think it's going to be before you start the movie. You're like, hey, the people who made Minions made a Mario movie. Yeah, if you think about that for 10 seconds, you, you came up with the movie. You saw it. Um, if I had to review it in one sentence, I would say it's a mid. That's that's it. That's my. That's what I'm that's hearing my, about it. That's my review. If I gave it a two and a half out of five. That's as mid as it gets. Yeah. Pretty. It's pretty mid. I. It was a very enjoyable mid movie for me because I like the IP a lot. Did Did Miyamoto <laughs> show up in the movie? Did he voice so, anyone in the movie? No. So for me, it's a it's it's a very great. Mediocre. Just watch the Tetris movie right before that, and then you get both. It's a very great great mediocre. I gave it a three, but yeah, it's a very great mediocre movie because. It's uh, it's one that I like the characters a lot. <laughs> that but, extended preview of uh, them going after the Toad Kingdom, Bowser going after the Toad Kingdom, I thought that was really great, and I thought that that showed the movie was going to be awesome. So is that like the height of the movie? Mm, or is it maybe when Mario gets to the top all of right. the light bulb? Here's the problem. Some of the voice actors are doing it. They're doing the thing. They are Jack Black it. murdering Jack, it. Whole Jack time, Black. Whole time. Seth Rogen, actually. Like yes. really good Donkey Kong. I was very impressed. Chris Pratt. I'm gonna be honest. I do, he doesn't sound like Mario to me, but he is doing a good job. He's trying. Yes. He is putting in the effort. Um, then there are other people who have prominent voice roles in this movie who are absolutely putting a postage stamp on it and mailing in. Uh, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong is like, yes. is an all- that was a that was such a give up. This is an all time like 
famous person voicing a character just doing his own voice and not caring at all. Fred Armisen, good job, man. You really were the worst part of this movie for me. Like, just ruin. Like, and he's in a lot. He does a lot more voice work than you expect Cranky Kong to have. Really, that was the only like super bad one. Anya Taylor Joy was pretty bad too. I did not. I thought she was fine. Let's I thought she was. Be honest, people aren't really into her movies because of her voice. So I, uh, I thought I think she's a really. Good I actress. thought the she's Peach character. But that's I thought the much. Peach character was great. Not. I thought the writing for the Peach character was pretty solid. But I just felt like she was like not really selling it. Not really selling me on like. Like the things that are happening to the Mushroom Kingdom in this movie are pretty intense, and she's like getting forced to marry Bowser and stuff, and it's just not. She's like, I don't know. She just wasn't selling it super hard for me. So I wonder if she's one of those people that struggles to voice act because you can't like riff off the other people. I have. It's like when a comedian like needs a crowd. Because she's really good in like the Queen's Gambit and like uh, the the Vivitch Split, the Menu. Like she's awesome in all those movies. Yes. The, the North, mm-hmm. the North Man. Thoroughbreds, Thoroughbreds, which I really love too. The North Man. Uh, th- but the she's awesome in all these movies. But then this, she just didn't seem like she was. I mean, I don't know. It's maybe it's, like you said, Kim. It's hard for her to invest. This is like her first voice role, I think. So, she was in a Playmobiles movie, but like, ain't nobody care about that. <laughs> I, who saw the Playmobil movie? No one. Uh, I like some. I, I just looked at the Playmobil movie on Letterbox because you said that, and my <laughs> the first review that comes up says reviews from your friends. It says one half star. <laughs> <laughs> the review says, "I watched this." <laughs> <laughs> That's all it says. That's so much better than the other one from my from my friend that was one half star. Kill me, please. <laughs> it's like it's. Uh, I watched this movie. Yeah, okay, cool, good job, buddy. You did it. But yeah, the the thing that I liked about this movie is that they took. There's so many references in this movie, just a billion. Could they have stuffed more Mario into this movie? Uh, yeah, but it would have inflated the runtime, and that's the enemy of this movie. This movie completely works because it you uh, hit the star at the beginning of the movie, and you're on a dead sprint until the runtime's over. I cannot believe the Teen Titans go to the movies. People made this. I found that <laughs> I found that so hard to believe because that movie is like oddly charming and super fun. Yes, and this movie love is the Teen Titans. And this movie is just like jam-packed sprint to the finish. How many Mario references can we fit into this? It's like it's like that meme where the guy slaps the hood of the car and he's like, see how many I can fit into this baby. That's yes. <laughs> that's what this movie is. It's just every screen is just filled. Like they put stuff into the background that is more video game and Mario references. It's my son's like, did you notice that when they broke through the wall, it was shaped like Mario's head on the bricks? And Mar- I'm like, no, I didn't notice that. I but I did notice the Jumpman arcade machine and that the person was supposed to look like that. And every and, like, and every storefront has a name that's a reference. And it's just like, yes. The, OK, let's get to this. The most unbelievable part of this movie is not the Mushroom Kingdom and them uh, getting power ups and stuff. The most unbelievable part of this movie is is that Mario and Luigi are licensed and bonded plumbers who are having trouble finding work. There's no effing way. Have you, have you tried to get a plumber to work for you in recent times? It's like, they're like, yeah, we can do a job for you. It's going to be in nine months. And it's like nine months. My, my toilet's leaking right now. I can't wait nine months. Like the, the, they, they can't, these guys can't find work. Are you kidding me? No way. Uh, I did like the Mario doesn't like mushrooms gag. Oh yeah, that's that was a fun little joke to throw in there to have a couple of callbacks on. Yeah, the the power ups were fun. Like they they did like the they had all the power ups, and then of course the climax of the movie is when they get the star, which is it's fun. That's really fun. My yeah, my son, um, his favorite part of the movie, he's five. 
And this was basically his godfather. He had to see it. It was <laughs> there was so much there was so much excitement about it. Um, he's five, and his favorite part was when when uh, Mario fought Donkey Kong. He he was just like so invested. And then he's like, and then Mario that was a fun scene. And then Mario got the cat power up, and he just like shred. <laughs> My own is like so excited about it. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. That. Uh- I will say, so my son, we saw it for my son's birthday. My son is, uh, uh, that was his 20th, 20th birthday. birthday. I was say he's 19. Um, <laughs> so I, he, I has like the Mario games have been a big part of his, of his youth. I, he's always really enjoyed them. Um, and the art and everything. So this was kind of a big deal for him just because he loves the IP so much. And for him, it was one of those like, yeah, you know, I understood that this wasn't like a, an expertly made movie, but like, this is how you do pure fan service and make it palatable. There is no, there is no storytelling in this movie. I really feel like that's how they can level this movie up in this, in the eventual sequel. Obviously they're making more. This movie made a, it's billion, made a billion dollars. dollars yes. <laughs> Will there be but, some uh, carding in the sequel? Maybe there is carding in this one. There's time. Oh. Yes, there was. Uh, we got rainbow. Road. A, you, oh, that's the other thing they nailed was the music. Yes. The, the scoring is great. Uh, I will say this though. I got annoyed with the needle drops in this movie. Like I, I'm kind of done with the, I need a hero needle. I'm just done with needle drops in general. Like they don't, don't play licensed music, do good score or do less licensed music. There was so much licensed music in this movie. Like when, when he's doing the, when he's practicing using the power up and we got to listen to like, what was the song they played during that? I can't remember. It was like a, it was like a licensed song though. I'm just like, man, just play See, I liked it when you got the mushroom cup uh, music. Right, play the um, Mario music. You got don't, the Rainbow Road music. Like, don't play, that's what I mean. They did a yes. a great job of taking familiar Mario music, and turning it into and cool using score. it in places where it made sense and was a good score. Like, I thought that was a very big strength of the movie. The licensed music, like, I I thought when they used it for the training montage, that was kind of fun. But that was also the only place where you should have done that. Like the '80s training montage nod. I think makes that okay, but it didn't need to happen anywhere else. Yeah. Um, so, okay. They did holding out for a hero, which is in every movie lately. I'm just like, so sick of that. Like it was in Tetris too. Remember? Cause when it was in yes. Tetris at the end, when the guy pulls up with the car and they all get in and then they have a, <laughs> the, the creator of Tetris does a car chase. <laughs> take on, take on me. No sleep till Brooklyn, Mr. Blue sky and thunderstruck. I don't need, I don't need these movies. I don't need these songs in the movie. Thunderstruck was the most unnecessary of them just all, like, by the way. The, just go put these, that out there. Get these out of here. Like, just play more Mario music. Mario music's cool. Uh, okay. Um, some reviews from, from Letterboxd that I thought were funny. Uh, Mr. President, a second bullet bill has hit the tower. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Couldn't help it. It's awful. Uh, uh, <laughs> Illumina- Illumination's the best movie, and it still sucks. Um, <laughs> the... I, I still like in 50 years, Jack Black, uh, Jack Black's Bowser performance will be taught in acting yeah, classes. Jack, Jack Black was born to play Bowser. I saw that one too. Um, Mr. Chris Pratt character listens to Mr. Blue Sky's cinematic universe. Because <laughs> this, <is>, this is weirdly <laughs> the second time that has happened. Um, I I don't I, I don't know. Um, Luigi definitely has a degradation kink. I, <laughs> By the way, <laughs> the, uh, the Jack Black doing bowser trying to be meatloaf was funny was 
the best. Oh, this like Eric. That is what that is what you need from this movie is Jack Black doing me uh, Bowser. If Bowser was in cell meatloaf, and it, oh, yes, no. that's what I was say. <laughs> I was gonna say the best review overall, Eric. The best one was Bowser. Really, was the original incel. <laughs> um, this movie. It, the animation's beautiful. There's so many references. It it doesn't kill the IP. It doesn't make you think less of Mario in any way. Like it's 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 very um, respectful to the intellectual property. You can tell the people who were involved actually liked making it, which is the opposite of the other movie. That's the problem with the other movie is that well, you can well, I'll, you I'll can get to that. And as, as soon as you throw it to me, I'm ready to prove you. You can wrong. you can 100 tell that Bob Hoskins did not know what, what Mario anything about Mario. <laughs> Bob Hoskins was like Guys. unaware of the existence of Mario. I'm going to take that as my cue. Uh, does this movie have any Oscar winners or Oscar nominees in it? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy won or get nominated for an Oscar. And she was nominated, but she didn't uh, win, did she? And did they have two Oscar winners? No. no. no uh, did they have any sort of uh, any any real, um, uh, I guess, uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? Uh, funny comedians who we love. Uh, who've been in movies that they're a pest in? Any, oh, any uh, oh I was gonna say, I was gonna say so, yes until you said the pest, and then I couldn't think of anything. Yeah, I was, that's why. That's why it took me so long. <laughs> I was gonna say Charlie Day's in this movie, and, and Seth, you're about to own yourself. And Seth Rogen, and Keith. Now Charlie Day plays the to- plays Toad, right? No, he's Luigi. No, Charlie Day plays Luigi. Keegan Michael oh, Key is uh, Toad. Keegan Michael Key plays Toad. Okay, in a, well, what about uh, what about musician Mojo Nixon? Would that maybe be a better toad? <laughs> I don't then know, guys. Movie could use some fixes. Also, yeah, if you don't know who Mojo Nixon is. Uh, also, looking here, Carlene Moore played prostitute. Is there a prostitute in that one? And I really tried to get that line out before Kevin was done. Before he swallowed the water, I'm really mad at myself, and I think I'm done because I was really trying to get that spit take. So I'm, uh, I'm done. Uh, you know, we didn't find out the occupation of the Toadettes in the background, and I'm not here to judge. You know what's great about this is looking at the cast for the original Mario Brothers. I'm like, oh yeah, Samantha Mathis, who's just a character actor, played the lead uh, love interest, Princess Daisy. Mario was trying to take. Luigi's girl in the yeah. first movie, it's just, which is a par for the course for Mario. I need to let it be known. I hate this Mario Brothers movie. I left this movie early to go sneak into Cliff Jumper or Minute Work, uh, Cliffhanger, Cliffhanger or Minute Work. Either way, no Cliff Jumper. I think would still be better. <laughs> Either way, I made the right call. That original movie is great, uh, or I mean, terrible. And um, I'll see this movie as soon as it's back on Twitter for free. <laughs> Yeah, they got pulled. I put it in the movie. I put it in the movie club channel, the Discord today. Someone posted the whole movie to, tw- I spent, to Twitter. I spent so much then it got time taken down. It got taken down in the draft thread the last two days, and just liking people's comments. That I was just like, uh, I, I did have a stomach flu yesterday, so I couldn't. I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's too. It's too much emojiing. Don't worry, Eric. If you want to see this movie, just show up anytime over the summer to Nathan's house because if this I know five year olds, his son will have it <laughs> streaming. Once About there's a, 17 times a day for the entire time there's once an, there's an HD, up, I'm going to show up uh, 80 minutes early. Once there's an HD version of this on like a streaming service, it's over for me. So yeah, <laughs> um, solid movie. If you like, truly Nathan will be the hero. <laughs> animation good, uh, solid movie. If you like Mario, see it. That's that's all you need to know. Also, <laughs> after the trailer, Yoshi teaser. Um, who will voice Yoshi? It's got to be someone annoying. So I'm gonna. Go- I'm going to go with Aquafina doing the, cause I think like, I can't think of like a good person who would be like kind of 
be able to do that. You cast like Vin a, Diesel. You gotta yeah, you gotta be you gotta be able to do the high pitch though. You gotta be able to go Yashi, you know, like in a super high pitch voice. And I don't think Vin's got. Isn't that. this where you cast like someone like Clint Eastwood? You know, someone totally <laughs> unexpected who will still pull it off and be great. That you do have to cast someone who's vo- who, who, who can do the high pitched Yoshi, but then has to have a voice that is completely different than that. That's why I think Aquafina is a good fit because she has that like gravelly, interesting voice for when Yoshi's regular talking, and then she can probably pull off the uh, the high pitched Yashi when she needs when she needs. All right, to sounds good. Tom Cruise, so anyway, Super Mario Bros. Two. Tom Cruise would be funny. I would love it. All right, for Eric, for Kevin, uh, for all the drafted CS players, we will see you guys next week. Go. Ahead. Sex symbols was like us all awake from his candlestick. I'm in the mood to scam simply because I can't. I'm the Latin Houdini. Disappear in a flash with your cash in a bank like a genie. Uh, 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 Lucy, I'm home. Dando la trello, say. Freak to the east, freak to the west. Freak that party to the chest. Yes, yes, y'all, and it's like that. Why slightly? No, no, no. Get stupid, get retarded. Cause past to get the party started. Which way did it go, George? Which way did it go? Provolocious, provolocious of ocean.
That's all family of mine. I have to go to work. Love, peace, and